Open up your Bibles to Proverbs chapter 29, verse 11. Proverbs 29:11. You can find that on page 654 in the Pew Bible. And children here, kindergarten through second grade, can be dismissed to children's church. By the way, if you're uh, kind of looking for a way to help out around the church, uh, if you'll notice, the room's kind of full, and we need people to help with that. Uh, we uh, we in need of some ushers. Uh, there's people up there who are running the sound booth who enable uh, amplification to take place, and uh, we need help with that as well. So if you're interested in helping out, those are two ways to jump in and serve around the church. They don't require you to come out to a committee meeting during the week, but you're here anyway. And if you want to just come a little bit earlier, uh, we, we could really use some help in that. So if you're interested in helping one of those ways or just want to learn more, come grab me or Seth after the service. But we do need some help with our ushering and our sound ministry, and would love. Uh, we'll, we'll train you. We'll teach you. I mean... You know, what's the worst you could do? You know, blow up the sound system? I mean, <laughs> so. All right, Proverbs chapter uh, 29, and we're in verse 11 this morning. So your respiration deepens. Your heart rate increases. Arterial pressure rises. The processes of the alimentary canal slow down or even cease as blood shifts from the stomach and intestines into the heart, the muscles, and the central nervous system. Uh, The liver releases its reserves of sugar. The spleen uh, squirts out its concentrated corpuscles. And adrenaline surges into the body. You know, Or in other words, you've just become angry. That's what I want to think about here today, anger. Uh, It's what our proverb is about. And it's a, a topic that touches all of our lives uh, in some way or another. Uh, some of us go to school and there's angry kids there. Kids that you know, you just stay out of their way. Because if you get in their way, you're, you're going to get it from them. Uh, some of us, uh, or maybe you have angry teachers in your school. You know, there's just those teachers you don't want to get because they're nasty and they're never happy and they take it out and they yell and scream in the classroom. And you know, if you get that teacher, you're like, oh no, not, not that. Teacher, uh, we experience anger on the roads. Um, we have angry customers who call us ranting and raving. Uh, some of you uh, work for employers who honestly believe that screaming and shouting is an effective management technique. Uh, and so it's a difficult thing. You know, some of us grew up in homes where the dark thunder clouds of fury and their random lightning strikes were the sort of dominant atmospheric condition under which we lived. That's how it normally was. And so we were struck by angry words and profanity and insults and sometimes thrown objects and sometimes thrown blows. And and that's just the way it was. And then we grow up into adulthood and we go on. And yet those um, that that fury that sort of lived in the home just reverberates into our lives and affects who we are uh, even today. And if we're honest, we'll admit that sometimes we can just be downright angry people ourselves. And it's amazing sometimes how quickly I can go from zero to furious. (laughs) Like, boom! And then we explode, and then we calm down, and we say we're sorry, and people say okay. But you know what? The words were said, the explosion happened, the aftershocks continue to rumble outwards into other people's lives and into the next generation. And so I think because of the the, the power of this topic for all of us, as I was looking at it, I think that's why there's so much in Proverbs about anger. 
There's just a lot that the Bible has to say. Not just Proverbs, but in the Old Testament and in the New Testament. I, I wish I had time to get into all of it. I, in fact, I could do a whole sermon series probably on this topic. It's just so multifaceted and I think it touches us in different ways. But uh, we're looking at anger today. And it says in Proverbs 29.11, A fool gives full vent to his anger, but a wise man keeps himself under control. So here we have yet another sort of classic proverbial antithesis. Uh, last Sunday it was pride versus humility. This Sunday it's anger versus patience or hot-headedness versus cold-headedness and self-control. And so I just want to look at each of those, um, these two. Uh, the, the fury that the Scriptures warn us against and the patience to which we're commanded. So let's look at anger first. And I think the first thing we have to say about fits of anger and losing your temper and going off is that it's not good. And maybe you're like, well, duh. But I don't know, duh. Because, you know, I was thinking about our, our culture in which we live and, you know, we've been very affected by therapeutic understandings of the person. And that has very much impacted our culture in different ways. In, a lot, in many therapeutic models, emotions are, are very neutral. You know, emotions are they're just to be understood and explored and you get in touch with your feelings. And, and so, you know, emotions are good things. We should explore them. We should let them out. We shouldn't stuff our emotions. And we're told these kinds of things. And, and uh, in fact, you know, as it re- works out into the pop culture, there's this idea that venting is kind of a good thing. Venting's positive. You should just let it fly. Vent. You know, open up the furnace and let the flames come out. Um, and, and, you know, of course, there's some truth to that. It's true that we are emotional beings that that's a component of the way God created us. It's not like when you become a Christian, you stop having feelings. You know, it's, it's like we're all Vulcans now that we're Christian. We're Mr. Spock. You know, and it's like, you know, praise Jesus. I mean, that's not our greeting. It, you know, we, we have feelings inside, and, and anger is one of them. And, you know, are, are there times when anger is justified emotion? Yeah. I think in the face of injustice and abuse and evil, and when we see things in the world where they're just corrupt... Now, I say that cautiously, though, because I think it's very easy for us to, to get all incensed about something and say, well, I mean, it's justified anger. I mean, look at what they did. Because so often, even when we have an, a strain of justified anger in us, it's always alloyed with self-righteousness and pride. So, yeah, Jesus cleared the temple, but, you know, Jesus' anger was pure and righteous, and, and mine isn't. And even when I get angry about something, there's usually some pride and things mixed in with that. But all that being said... Generally speaking, letting it rip and going off and throwing a tantrum is just not pleasing to God. This is not how God wants us to live. And it's because anger is such a destructive force. It really tears things apart. Uh, Look at um, verse 22. Just look a few verses down at verse 22. It says, An angry man stirs up dissension. And a hot-tempered one commits many sins. Anger divides people. It stirs up dissension. Uh, it, it estranges husbands and wives. It estranges parents from children. It makes it more difficult to be in fellowship and community with one another. You know, when's the last time you saw someone explode with rage and as a direct result of them exploding, everyone got together for a group hug? It just doesn't happen. It's, it's like an explosion. It, it throws debris outward. It doesn't draw things inward. And it's the nature of it. Um, or look at uh, the other half of the verse. says, a hot-tempered person, hot-tempered one, commits many sins. You know, when I was thinking about anger, I thought 
perhaps an analogous uh, experience to anger is, is being drunk or being high. And, and when you're under the influence of something like that, you become uninhibited. And when you know, you're drunk, you say things you didn't, wouldn't normally say. You do things you normally wouldn't do. And the next day you wake up with a hangover going, oh, why did I, did I really do that? I think I did that. The same thing with anger. You know, it kind of takes control of us and we go wild and we say things we shouldn't have said and afterwards we want to take it back, but it's gone and it's out. And, and so it leads to other sins. You know, anger is kind of like a gateway sin. It, you know, once you get angry, you're just primed to do all kinds of things. And so when we're angry, we uh, say hurtful words because we want to stick it to somebody and <clears throat> make them feel it. And when we're angry, we write emails and we hit send. And then ten minutes later, we're like, oh, can I get the email back? No. It's out. It's gone. Uh, and when we're angry, we drive too fast. And when we're angry, we are just more likely to get into fights. And it's just, it's, it's destructive. That's why it says, a hot-tempered one commits many sins. God wants us to live under the influence and power of the Holy Spirit, not of our emotions or of anything else. It says in Ephesians uh, chapter 5, do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. And I think we could say the same thing. Do not get drunk on anger. Don't let anything control you. The Christian is to be under the influence of the Spirit. You're supposed to drive under the influence of the Holy Spirit. You're supposed to relate to people under the influence of the Holy Spirit. And so for, if we really say Jesus is Lord, like we just sang in all these songs, that means He's Lord. And that means He determines how we live our lives, not what I'm feeling at the moment. Um, and so we, we don't worship the Lordship of anger. We worship the Lordship of Christ. Uh, not only is anger a destructive force, but it's so bad that the, the Proverbs repeatedly warns to stay away from angry people. Not just watch it in yourself, but you know what? Just stay clear. Because it has that, that kind of uh, burning effect. It, it leaps, you know, like a forest fire. It goes from one tree to the next house to the next field. And it, it leaps along. And so stay away from people who are angry. Uh, look at Proverbs 22 of 24. There's so many Proverbs on this topic. Proverbs 22, 24. It says, Do not make friends with a hot-tempered man. Do not associate with one easily angered. It's pretty direct. Or, you may learn his ways and get yourself ensnared. It's a contagious kind of thing. Or uh, look at Proverbs chapter 19. Go back another chapter. Proverbs 19, 19. Again, this warning about associating with people who are uh, furious. It says, A hot-tempered man must pay the penalty. If you rescue him, you will have to do it again. So not only do hot-tempered people get themselves in trouble, but if you're always trying to bail them out and cover for them, and uh, make up, you know, oh, it's okay, it's not that bad. You're just going to do it again and again. Because, like I said, there's this, this growing thing to anger. You know, venting doesn't solve it. If you vent and get it out, it's not like, well, I feel better now. I mean, it's like, I think venting begets venting. Anger begets anger. It just kind of feeds on itself like a fire. And by paying attention to it and letting it go, it just fuels it. And so I have this angry thought in my head and and I'm driving, I know I've never done this, never, you haven't either, but you drive along in your car, you're just imagining, you're playing the scenario in your mind. You're like, oh, I want to say that, and say this. And if you feed that, and you keep thinking that and thinking that, then what's going to happen is when you meet that person, you're going to be very likely to actually act on some of that. And you know, 
you're going to be like, oh, that felt good. I'm going to let that go. And you're going to do it again. And if you get used to speaking and relating to people in angrier ways, it becomes a habit. And of course, habits uh, prolong, become character logical. They begin to shape who we are. So that eventually people just become angry. You've just met someone who's just an angry person. It's like you don't even really know why anymore. They don't even know why. They're just mad. They're bitter. They're nasty. And you know, they're like a big sort of uh, tippy pot of acid or lava or something. And you just, you just bump it or you go by it and it's like, it spills out all over. You're like, what did I do? It doesn't matter what you did. You're just near them. My uh, wife worked with a, uh, a lady like this when I was in seminary. She was in uh, downtown Boston and she was working in an insurance-related business. And uh, there's this one lady in her work who's just an angry woman. And it's like, if you talk to her, she got mad. And if you didn't talk to her, she got mad. It's like, you couldn't do anything right. I mean, this person would scream and throw fits and yell. You know? I mean, it just amazed me that, you know, like so many people do, they bailed her out. Rather than confronting it, the boss just bailed her out. And guess what? He had to do it again. And again, it just kept going and going. You know, maybe, I don't know, maybe you're an angry person. Maybe you just look at yourself, you're like, why? I don't understand it. Why did, how did I get like this? That I just have within me at all times uh, this furnace that seems to be on. And it's amazing how quickly it'll come out and something will burst forth. But that's not the life that God wants us to live. God wants us to be free. Life in the Holy Spirit is the life of liberty. You know? Ironically, when we surrender ourselves to the Lordship of Jesus, which sounds like we're restricting our freedom, we actually enter in freedom. And when we reject the Lordship of Jesus, we end up being bound and enslaved to all kinds of things, including anger. But God has not called us to slavery. He's not called us to bondage to sin. He's called us to free. Jesus says, then you shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. Uh, Where the Holy Spirit is, there is liberty, the Scriptures teach us. And so, to walk in Christ and to be filled with the Holy Spirit is a very liberating kind of thing. And we're called to have the joy of our salvation. We're called to be filled with a peace, as it says uh, in Philippians, that passes understanding. And, and that's just, that just doesn't happen when you're in a perpetual state of uh, rage for whatever reason. And so, uh, rather, the Scripture calls us to self-control. Uh, look at, let's go back to our main verse, 29.11. Let's pick up the second half of that now. I'm going to be flipping around a lot this morning. It's a lot of good texts. Proverbs 29.11 says, A fool gives full vent to his anger. So that's the one thing we just talked about. But a wise man, here we go, keeps himself under control. Do Christians have emotions? Yes. Do followers of Jesus Christ feel anger at times? Of course. The question is, what do we do with it? You know, It says in Ephesians uh, chapter 4, In your anger... Do not sin. So yeah, we get angry, but what do we do with it? Our, our emotions or our, our, our pride, is that what is Lord over us? We're, we're all dominated by something. We all serve some God. Everyone here is religious. Everyone here is a believer. So what do you believe in? You know, Maybe it's yourself. Whatever it is. We, we all follow some God. We all have a religion, even if we don't go to church for it. And, and so is it going to be anger and my emotions or my pride or money or whatever else? Or is it going to be the Lordship of Christ controlling those things within me? So it's about self-control um, or God's control through us. Look at uh, Proverbs chapter 19, 
verse 11. Proverbs 19.11, again, notice that the theme here is not that we are emotionless lizards, but that we uh, are empowered by God to overcome those things that lurk within us. Proverbs 19.11 says, A man's wisdom gives him patience. It is his glory to overlook an offense. So when somebody does something that is just downright rude and your reaction is just to let them have it, the person who is empowered by the Holy Spirit is able to overlook it. It's like, you know what? I'm just going to let that slide. That takes God's power to do that. Uh, Or look at uh, chapter 17, verse 27. 17, 27. A man of knowledge uses words with restraint. Again, it's controlling yourself. And a man of understanding is even-tempered. So it's not that those words don't come into our heads sometimes. (laughs) It's that we restrain them. There's a Holy Spirit filter that has to go on. And, you know, anger is when you just totally get rid of the filter and you just let it all come out. Whatever's here, boom, straight out. I, I've read some stories about Abraham Lincoln. It's, it appears that he had a, a little practice. Maybe you've heard of this. Maybe you've done it too. Where when he was really mad at someone and someone really got him, got him upset, he would write two letters to them, you know? The first letter was like what he really would say if the filter was off. You know? And then he would take that letter, he would crumple up, he'd throw it in the fire. And then he would write the letter that he knew was the right one to write in the way God would want him to respond. He was a man of faith as well. Uh, And so uh, that's that filter. We need to have sort of that inner kind of dialogue with ourselves and with the Holy Spirit that when those things come up, like, look, this is not what God wants. And so it's it's controlling those emotions and things when they come up. Uh, Or just give you one more example. Look at chapter uh, 16, verse 32, right there on the same uh, section. 16.32 says, Better a patient man than a warrior, a man who controls his temper, than one who takes a city. Which is more difficult to conquer? A city or yourself? Yourself. You know, taking other people out, that's pretty easy. Controlling yourself is the hard thing. And so, we have this kind of funny imagery here. We have this warrior imagery used against anger. So it's kind of paradoxical, isn't it? Like declare war, become militant against, arm yourself and attack anger and rage. Which is is sort of interesting kind of paradox of language how it's being used here. But we're supposed to bear arms and take up arms against ourselves and against the pride that dwells within us. It's easy to conquer other people. It's easy to conquer other things. Uh, lots of people conquer in the business world and they overcome their competition and they outmarket and they outsell and they gain market share and they've conquered and they've overcome in the financial world. Or people train themselves physically and they hone their bodies and put themselves in excellent physical condition in order to win in track or lacrosse or whatever it is you play. And, uh, and we go to school and education and we conquer a certain body of knowledge and we apply ourselves and think until we become experts and we get a diploma for it. But conquering yourself, this is the real trick. How do we do that? And there's plenty of people out there who are successful but who just haven't conquered themselves in any way. You know, anger or, or passions or greed or lust or whatever, the, or pride or whatever it is. That's where the real battle is, is subduing ourselves. In fact, it's not just conquering and battling. You look at Romans chapter 8, it's about killing. (laughs) Mortify 
the flesh, it says. Crucify yourself. You want to take it even more extreme. And so we're called to kill anger. Kill your anger. Don't put up with it. Don't try to manage it. Declare war on that in us which is displeasing to God. Well, this all raises a question, right? <clears throat> How do we do this? <laughs> like, thanks for the sermon, Pastor. Anger's bad. Patience good. Wow. You know, amazing. You know, uh, <laughs> Yeah, I know that. The problem is, like, how do I get there? Or is it like in Maine, you know, you can't get there from here sort of a thing. Like, I, I can't, you know. It may, maybe it's just like giving up. Like, okay, that's great, but I'm just an angry person. And I'm never going to be like that. And, you know, it's just my personality. It's my temperament. Yeah, you know, my, my dad was like this too. It's just in my family. It's, there's nothing I really do about it. And, you know, things don't change. People don't change. We're all the same. And uh, can you really change? And I say, yes. We've read about Paul, you know, Saul, who used to breathe out murderous threats, Acts chapter 9, verse 1. And then we read about that transformation that took place. God is in the business of changing people. And He changes them dramatically, and He changes them also over time in a process. Yes, it's impossible, really, to change ourselves, but with God, all things are possible. And through the power of His Holy Spirit, a transformation can take place in our lives as we learn to trust in Him uh, over time. Uh, God ripens the fruit of the Holy Spirit. He really can change us. That's what Proverbs is all about. This whole book of Proverbs isn't just written to tell us how it is and so deal with it. It's, it's written to help us. It's a call to wisdom. You know, we, we studied that when we first started studying Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 8. It's a call to wisdom. It's a call to grow in holiness and godliness. And in this case, the specific form of it, which is patience and uh, self-control. And so I think we can grow in it. And, and I think the way that we grow is by pu- keeping our focus on Christ and on God. In other words, the sermon I'm preaching today is not a, a self-help, moralistic sermon. I hope you understand that. You know, the takeaway from this isn't like, okay, yeah, I get mad too much. I'm going to go home and I'm going to be more patient. Here I go. More patient. You know, it's not going to work. It doesn't work. You know, this isn't about fix yourself up. This is about shift your focus to the glory and greatness of God. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And so the way to move down this path is not just try harder. It's, it's realize I can't and I need God's grace in my life and I need His power to transform me and His Word to reshape and refashion my thinking and my attitudes, even my emotions and how I respond to them. And so we need to put our faith in God. So I think the way forward, let me sum it up for you and uh, just try to give you a little, you know, kind of pastorly, alliterated summary. Yeah, I would put it this way. We fight against fury by putting our faith in the Father. I think that's the kind of fundamental idea here. You could put it that way. We fight against fury by putting our faith in our Heavenly Father. That when we wrestle with anger and the desire to let it rip and blast people and just cut loose with our rage... That the way to fight back about against that is to trust God. Proverbs 3, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him and He will direct your paths. So um, what does that look like then? Let's think about it. Let's get really practical now. Let's get like down to nuts and bolts. What does that mean? Put your faith in the Father in order to fight fury. Well, um, think about the things that make you mad. Why do we get ticked off? You know, what is it that sets us off? Probably a lot of things. Sense if I just don't get enough sleep, I'm cranky, you know. But 
Uh, there's, there's a lot of different things. But, you, you know, I think there's some big sort of categories of things. Let me just think of two of you. I think one thing that gets us mad is what you might uh, call blocked goals. That when we have things in our mind of how it's supposed to be and what we want accomplished, and this is my shopping list for the day, this is my to-do list for the day, here's my schedule and my day planner, and we want things to go a certain way, and then they don't, we get frustrated. You know, I, I, I mean, think about it. Next time you're feeling angry, do this. Just step back if you're, if you're able to and be like, what is it? Is, is there a goal here, that, something that I want to happen that's not happening? And like, at least for me, nine times out of ten, that's the problem is that I want to control my life circumstances, which, of course, is a fool's errand. Uh, and I become angry. You know, it's like, why is everyone so mad in traffic? It's like hundreds of thousands of people experiencing a block goal. Like, we want to go home, and we're all blocking one another. And so everyone's like mad. It's like crazy. It's, it's you know, it's kind of hell, really. Everyone's just <laughs> enraged and furious. Ah, get me, get me out of here. Um, you know, I, when I look at my own life, and I was thinking about my own life in anger, I mean, I have to say, I'm a pretty laid-back person. I haven't had a lot of problems blowing up and flipping out until I had children. (laughs) My children have have taken me to new heights in fury that I've I've never experienced. And I realize the reason. It's because they, they constantly block my goals. They're inefficient. They're, they, they're not tuned in to time and schedules, you know? And it, it's just, I, I have gotten madder and flipped out, I'm telling you, with my kids more often than in my whole life, you know, in, in my, whatever, 30, you know, 25 years before I had kids, all, it's so many times. In one year, I probably yelled at them more. You know, it's like, I was just the other day, we, were, we had a clean-up time, and like, that's the goal, clean up the house because we had other things to do, ba 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 ba. And I got the schedule in my head. And they don't seem to understand that schedule. So you're like, all right, clean up. Here we go. We're cleaning up. You know, we're cleaning up the toys. Let's go. And, and, you know, kid, this is how the kids clean up. They get a toy, and they're walking it over to the box. And then they look at the toy. They're like, wait, whoa, 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 whoa. I haven't played with this for like two hours. Huh. And then you're like, you know, and, and it was about two weeks ago, and, and I just totally snapped. And I was like, you know, and, and they're like, <laughs> and it's like, were my kids being disobedient? Yes. Do they learn, do they need to learn to, to obey their parents? Yes. Uh, but do I need to become the Incredible Hulk and flip out like that? <laughs> no. I, I can parent, I can discipline without roaring and screaming and just letting loose emotionally. Like, what does that do, you know? And, and then, of course, it's over. And, you know, sometimes you're like, look, look, you needed to clean up, but I'm really sorry I, I yelled, you know, you said to your kids. But you said it, and now it's out. And so, you know, it's like, you can't take it It's like the email. You can't take it back. And I just realize uh, just the destructive power of anger. Uh, some of us are just angry people because, frankly, um, our whole lives are just one big block goal. <laughs> it's like you're 45, you're 55, you're 65, and you're looking at your life and you're like, eh, this isn't what I planned. You know, when I was 18, I had myself going this way, and I'm actually over here. And sometimes I wonder if, if I had known where I was going to be when I was 18, if I would just maybe just ended it because this is not the life I want.
And, and sometimes there can be a lot of pain in that. And I think that living in a sense of like my life is a mess and this isn't what I ever hoped for myself can just make someone a very angry, bitter person. And it's like, you don't even know what it is. It's just like your whole life is blocked. And as people, you know, we, we go through that. How do you fight against that anger? Let's, let's get back to the, the point. How do we move then from anger to self-control? And I think it's you've got to put your faith in the Father to fight fury. And specifically, we have to put our faith in the sovereignty of God. And we have to say, God, I'm not in control. You know, I'm not in control, God. You're in control. I'm, you know, you're the Lord, and this isn't what I planned. Things are not going right. Whether it's just being late to a soccer game or whether it's a feeling that your whole life has been wasted in some way. And we have to just come to that place of saying, God, I'm going to transfer my belief in the Lordship of Jeremy over to the Lordship of Jesus. That you're the Lord. And, and that's hard, but, but, but that's surrendering to His leadership and guidance. And man, when, when you just trust the sovereignty of God over the circumstances of your life, you just, you just feel the weight lift and like, you know, the, the, the turbo red line just goes... And, and the anger goes, it just goes down. It's amazing how that just punctures the balloon and the, and the air just starts to go out and you can say, oh, God is in control. Yeah, I, this isn't what I chose, but I believe God is good and I trust God and, and this is what I'm going to do with all these feelings to control things that I have. So if you're going to be a control freak, you're going to be an upset person. How many laid-back, happy-go-lucky control freaks have you ever met? <laughs> they usually have an edge to them. They might be nice people, but they usually have an edge because they're always mad because things don't work out. Because life, life does not cooperate with control freaks. So you just have to let it go and give it, give it over to the sovereignty of God. Uh, and just one other thing, another example, what makes us angry? I think when we, when we feel attacked or threatened by people. That's another thing. If someone comes at you, someone slanders you, someone's talking about you among other people at the office or work or school or friends or whatever, you know, that makes you angry. And sometimes that, that feeling of threatness has to do with pride. I was talking to my wife about this, and she and I were kind of just batting the sermon around, and I was telling her some of the things I was thinking. She said, yeah, she says, you know when I get mad when the kids disobey? She goes, what frustrates me is that I feel like they're personally disrespecting me. And... And, you know, we're talking about that, like, yeah, when people disrespect you, or you feel disrespected, you just get so mad. And really, that takes us into last week's sermon on pride, doesn't it? <laughs> that it's really my ego, and I want people to treat me. How dare they say that to me? I mean, really. And it would become angry about that. And some of us, I think, uh, you know, our whole lives have been very hard, and um, we've, we've grown up in threatening circumstances, and, and we just profoundly view the world as an unsafe place because of things we've been through. But rather than responding with faith, we respond with the sin of anger. And so we, you know, we're constantly like, you know, in, <laughs> ready. <laughs> because the world is not good and people are out to get me. And, and when you live in a constant state of defendedness and paranoia, it makes you angry because you feel threatened and that's a natural response to that. And so rather than responding in anger, in the sin of anger, God wants us to respond with faith. And to say, you know what, God is my protector. God is going to defend my name. God is my security. Psalm 27, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the defender of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? The name of the Lord is the strong tower, it says in Proverbs. The righteous run into it and they are safe. And so we have to again let go and say, God, you know what? You are my provision and my protector. You're my shield, my strength. And so God, I'm just going to trust you 
to protect me and watch over me. And I don't have to become like the cornered raccoon who's growling and, you know, out of it. Because God's my safety. God's my security. Ultimately, God wants us to trust Him and put our faith in Him. And really, the great exemplar of this is the Lord Jesus Christ, isn't it? Isn't Jesus the one who trusted God in the face of hostility, in the face of difficult circumstances? In fact, Justin Martyr, who was one of the early church fathers, was once asked what he thought Jesus' greatest miracle was of all his miracles. Interesting, Justin Martyr said, Jesus' greatest miracle was the fact he remained patient and long-suffering in the face of trials and hostility. That was the most amazing thing Jesus ever did. And uh, Peter talks about that. Let me, one more passage and then we'll be done. Look at 1 Peter chapter 2. It's on page uh, 1201 in the Pew Bible. 1 Peter chapter 2. Have you ever read these verses? This is great stuff. 1 Peter 2, page 1201, verse 18. Now, in this text, Peter is writing to slaves, literal slaves in the Roman Empire, people who are owned as property by another. He's writing to Christian slaves. And look what he says in 1 Peter 2, verse 18. He says, Slaves, submit to your masters with all respect, not only those who are good and considerate, but also to those who are harsh. Now, if anybody had reason to be angry, it'd probably be a slave. I mean, talk about feeling threatened and and in danger of harm from others. Slaves had no rights. I mean, technically their masters could, you know, beat them and kill them if they wanted to. Um, And who felt that their life was out of control more than a slave? You know, so if anybody had grounds for just feeling angry and bitter, uh, it would have been the slaves, which is probably why there are so many slave revolts. You know, Spartacus, lead us. We're angry. We don't want this anymore. But look what Peter says. He says, no, submit to your... How do you do that? How do you stay calm and and respectful when someone is a cruel boss? Well, go down to verse 21. He says, To this you were called, because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow. He committed no sin. No deceit was found in His mouth. Jesus did not do anything to deserve His sufferings. But notice how He responded. Verse 23, When they hurled their insults at Him, when they attacked Him, He didn't retaliate. When he suffered, when he underwent these negative circumstances, he made no threats. How did he do that? How did Jesus restrain himself? Instead, it says he entrusted himself. He put his faith in the Father to him who judges justly. But he did more than that. He's not only our example and our role model. More than that, he is our Savior. Because if you look at verse 24, we, take, we go a step further. It says, He Himself bore our sins in His body on the tree. He Himself bore our sins in His body on the tree. I'm so thankful that Jesus died for me. I need so much more than a role model. I need a Savior. You know, A role model is not going to cut it for me. Yeah, great. Jesus trusted the Father. I I fail. I need a Savior to forgive me and to bear my sins on the tree. And I'm so thankful that that I'm saved by Christ. And that not only is Jesus my role model, but He also forgives me of all those times I've been angry and gone over the line myself. 
and every other thing I've done to displease God, everything that deserves the wrath of God has been removed from me because Jesus bore the wrath for me. Have you ever come to put your faith in Christ? Again, this sermon is not about be a better person, try harder, because we can't. It's about putting our faith in the Lord Jesus. And it begins by trusting Him to save us and to forgive us. Would you bow your heads with me in a word of prayer? And maybe right now, uh, God is talking to you directly. That in addition to hearing words from a human, somewhere in your heart you've been hearing the words from the Holy Spirit calling you just as He spoke to Saul on the road to Damascus. And if so, I just invite you just to open up your heart and to say that, tell God in your own words that you need a Savior. That you're a sinner in need of forgiveness and in need of transformation. And just throw yourself on the mercy of Jesus. Stop trusting in yourself. And Lord, I just pray that You would make us as a church a patient, self-controlled people that we would grow in the grace of self-control. Lord, help us to put to death and to declare war against anger. Lord, help us to be more long-suffering and kind in the way we relate to each other. God, we just want to be free. We want to be free to love You and serve You and not be bound up with these things. So Lord, do a work in our midst and in our church and our lives. We pray all this in the name of Christ. Amen. We're going to sing a closing hymn. It's hymn number 568. Would you find that in your hymnals? It's really a prayer.